Welcome to episode 96 of Lumber Sticker Faith pod- Podcast. I almost said podcast. My name is Sam Key, and uh, today I wanted to take a moment to break down something that I've talked about before on this podcast, and that is that uh, how sin is a symptom. I've said that before, and I just really wanted to take that, break it down, give you some more of my thinking behind it, and then um, have you then take it and think about it and, and come up with your own, um, I guess your own, um, not version of it, but your own applications to your own life. So I want to think about specifically about the sin of lust and what, what your what your lust is trying to tell you. So I know that just to begin, I know that sin is, well, it's it's a sin. And many say that we should just flee from sin just as fast as possible, like Joseph fleeing from uh, Potiphar's wife. Now, I agree about this, uh, but I want to add this caveat, and that's when we flee, when you flee, don't flee with your eyes closed. Keep them open because there's something for you to see there's something for you to learn about that sin that you're fleeing from. It's it's like if you're in the in the woods and you come upon uh, um, a monster or a bad guy, you when you run away from it, you don't just uh, blindfold yourself or close your eyes and run because you may actually be running closer to him or closer to his home or where he came from. You need to leave your eyes open so you can see where you've been and where you need to go and how not to go back to that place of sin and temptation. So I've come to see sin as a symptom, like I've said. And as a symptom, it gives us clues to the real problem. So when when I was in college, for instance, my um, my abdomen started uh, hurting a lot and I got the chills and I and I passed out on the on the bathroom floor. Now, these were these were all symptoms. Now, I could have ignored them, but they were real symptoms of an underlying problem, the problem of appendicitis. Now, I'm glad I didn't ignore these symptoms, you know, as if I could. Uh, the doctor was able then to look at my symptoms when I came into the emergency room and diagnose the true problem. I thought the problem was that I ate too many bags of microwave popcorn on one of my post-wrestling weigh-in binges. I thought that was my problem, but he knew otherwise, and I'm so glad that he looked at my symptoms with his eyes fully open and aware. My symptoms um, were not good, but they certainly were very good for discerning the true issue in my life at that time. So in the same way, like your symptoms, they may not be good, but they are very good for discerning the true issue in your life. This means that when someone tells you just to flee from your sin as fast as possible, it's not always helpful. You need to be able to take a long, hard look at your sins and in order to be able to discern what they're telling you. I have a friend, Jack Baumgartner, who likes to use, uh, tell tell the illustration of a field with weeds. And he's a farmer, 
And he says, farmers know that the kind of weeds that the land produces will tell you what the soil needs. I find that really, really helpful. So when a farmer goes out and inspects the the land, inspects the dirt, based on the kind of weeds that it's producing, it, 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 it helps you to discern, helps a farmer to discern uh, what kind of nutrients or, or what kind of, I don't, I don't even know farming things, what kind of um, um, stuff, how he needs to work the soil and what he needs to put into the soil, what the soil needs in order to be healthy. So the weeds are actually a gift. So, and I want to I um, also remind Christians of just an amazing truth because Jesus died for your sins, all right? You get that. You know that. We know that. He's forgiven you, and he has reconciled you to God. So he's made it, quote-unquote, safe for you to look at your sins, to examine them, all right? His grace makes it safe to be you. His, his grace makes a space in your life where you can now explore, discern, and diagnose what your soul is wrestling with. And again, I'm, I'm not saying that God makes it safe for you to sin. I'm not saying that at all, for that would be presuming upon his grace. And the Apostle Paul has pretty strong words to say about that. But I am saying that true repentance entails the ability to discern what exactly you're repenting from. I, I, I'm just afraid that... Um, Many Christians repent of the wrong things. Okay? I want, I'm going to say that again. My fear is that in our effort to live a godly life and to repent of our sins, I think that many Christians actually repent from the wrong things. They, they repent from the symptoms most of the time, rather than turning from the true disease the true problem within. We're constantly repenting from symptoms and, and we fail to neglect the underlying disease. So let's think for a moment about lust, okay? Lust and sexual sin. What is lust and sexual sin a symptom of? So if you see the sin of lust or sexual sin in your life, what is it trying to tell you? It, it's, it could be a weed. Think of it as a weed in the farmer's field that's popping up. What is it saying that you need? What does it mean? What, how is it showing you uh, what to add into your life or what to take away from your life in order to be healthy? So if you just repent of the expression of lust, then you may, you may never get to the underlying issue and the expression will never be dealt with. Now, as we begin, as we continue to begin, I want to look at Jesus's parable about um, about the clean house. And this is in uh, Luke uh, 11, verse 24 through 26. And it goes like this. It says, When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest. And finding none, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. 
And when it comes, it finds a house swept and put in order. Well, then it goes and it brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. So in Jesus' parable, quote-unquote cleaning the house is dealing with the symptoms. That's what I think. So first you must recognize that all sin is demonic, all right? All sin is demonic. And when you get rid of a sin, you get rid of you get rid of these spiritual powers that are seeking to destroy you, that are seeking to use you, embody their, themselves through you in order to take over the world and to dethrone God if they could. That's that's their aim, all right? Just like a virus seeks to destroy your uh, body physically uh, and take over, so does so does sin. All sin is uh, demonic. So second, though, just dealing with the symptom invites greater demonic power into your life, all right? Just dealing with the symptom invites this greater demonic power into your life, which is why I'm so passionate to help you to understand your sin more. These uh, waterless places that it refers to, well, these are places without life, okay? So water um, symbolizes life. It stands for life. So waterless places are places without life. So since since demons are like parasites, they need uh, they need another life in order to survive. They don't have life in themselves, so they can't exist in the waterless places. So since you and I are made in the image of God, uh, God has lent us life. He's given us. Uh, his being, a part of his being to make us be alive. So we we are watered places. We are places of life. And that in turn makes us prime targets for demons who are seeking a place of life. So here's a scary yet unavoidable truth that Jesus teaches us. Demons are attracted to a life that is swept and put in order, all right? That's what he says. I'm not making this up. That's what Jesus says. He says, when an unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through these waterless places seeking to find rest, and finding none, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. And then it goes and brings seven other demons more evil than itself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of the person is worse than the first. Sorry, I just read that all again, but I wanted you to hear it again, uh, knowing what I just told you. So demons are attracted to this life that's swept and put in order. So the more that you try to clean up the sin in your life, the more demons you will attract. Now, am I saying not to clean up the sin in your life? I'm not saying that. But I just want you to be aware of that dynamic that Jesus is teaching us. When we do clean up our lives and put things in order, it's attractive to the demons. The problem is, is that, well, let me say this, that 
the some Bible interpreters often say that it's because the house is empty that the demons are attracted to it. So, and then they say that your house is empty, that's why the demons come, and so therefore you need to have Jesus come live in your house, and then your house will be full and demons won't come. That, I mean, that's that sounds nice. I mean, it's plausible. There's, there's some truth to it, but that's not what the passage says. The text doesn't say that. The text doesn't say that it's because it's empty that the demons come. It says that because you swept it and it's ordered, that's what attracts the demons. That's that's what Jesus says, all right? That's why they're attracted to it. The order of it, the um, sweeping it, the making it exactly, you know, quote-unquote perfect, that's what the demons are attracted to. That's the, 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 the demonic draw, you could say. So Jesus clearly says, that because the house is swept and put in order, that the demons are attracted to it. And I just want this to um, give us serious pause. Now, here's what this could mean. It could mean that dealing with sin in a legalistic way only leads to greater and more powerful sin. And I think that's what Jesus is, that's what he's trying to say. That if you think that you can ward off the demons and be a good spiritually spiritual boy or girl and, and and gain God's favor and love by your ability to sweep and clean up your life and be a good spiritual person, then that's not going to work. It's actually going to do the opposite. Dealing with sin in a legalistic way only leads to greater and more powerful sin. And, and this, by the way, is probably what why Jesus was far more critical of the Pharisees than the average adulterers and sinners. Because the Pharisees, legalism says, if I clean up my life and I put it in order, then God will accept me. He'll think better of me and he'll love me. Legalism leads to self-righteousness or maybe self-righteousness leads to legalism. I'm not sure, but either way, they are two sides of the same coin And Jesus' parable tells us that we cannot be saved by legalism. We cannot be saved by our own works. We cannot be saved by cleaning up our life and putting it in order. And dare I say that God has, um, he's rigged the world so that legalism, it never works. So that we have to be saved by grace through faith because of Christ's work on the cross. That that has to be the only thing that saves us, not our good works of our attempts to tidy up our life. I hope that makes sense. So the unavoidable conclusion I take from this is that we have to go deeper, all right? We can't just sweep our lives of sin and expect our sin to be dealt with, or rather sweep our lives of these symptoms and just expect our lives to be okay. If I want to ward off the demons and and to help myself overcome a sin, then I must look at this sin, this, this weed, as critical information. In other words, we need to know our demons and what they want. We need to know our demons and what they're saying to me. Then you can deal with them, not by sweeping and 
putting your house in order, but by figuring out why everything keeps getting so dirty in the first place. You, you can clean up the mud on the floor every single day. You can choose to do that. And, and, and let's say in your, in your house, there's mud that, you know, mysteriously shows up every day. You can just keep cleaning it every day. And, and I, I don't know, you might go crazy because of that. Or you could like open your eyes and try to figure out what is tracking mud in your house each morning in the first place and get at the source. And then, um, well, you can begin then to understand what your sexual sin or lust is trying to tell you. rest of this, I'm going to give some ideas, some initial thoughts of what sexual sin may be trying to tell you, what these symptoms are trying to communicate you to you about the, the, the soil of your soul, about, about your life, okay? And I'm going to outline some ways, and I'm not, there's going to be more ways, and, and you'll be able to think of more ways. Um, and Some of these may be unique to certain people, and you may have your own unique symptoms that are unique to you based on your history, your past, your makeup, uh, the things that have happened to you. But I'm going to begin to communicate a list. I think I have 10 or or 11 or 12 on this list, but um, I'm going to try to give some of these underlying possibilities. These, And like I said, these are ones that either I recognize from my own life or from the lives of others after having spent years in men's uh, small groups specifically, all right? So um, these represent the, the underlying disease that symptomatizes, I think that's a word, uh, as lust. So your house is out of order at a more fundamental level, and you keep ordering it the same way, which produces the same results or symptoms. I'm going to say that uh, one more time, that that your house is out of order at a, at a more fundamental level, and you keep sweeping it the same way, trying to get rid of those symptoms, but that only ends up producing the same symptoms or results, all right? So it's critical for you to realize the meaning of what you lust after. You must consider the fact that you are looking um, for something. I, I guess, yeah, let's pause and just um, talk about the pink elephant in the room uh, when it comes to lust. And I'm thinking specifically about guys lusting after uh, female uh, bodies or images. And, and I'm sure you could apply this different directions as well. Well, you can, but that's what I'm thinking of. So consider the fact that you're looking for a woman. So you're lusting after something that's feminine. So what does 
woman or feminine mean to you? What does it mean? What does it mean to you? After all, you're not looking for marshmallows, right? If you were looking for marshmallows, that might mean a different thing, but you're specifically looking for the feminine. Like you're not um, searching after Google searching catalytic converters. For, like if, if you were, again, that would mean something else. But specifically, you're searching for the feminine. You need something feminine. Like the, the soil of your life is crying out for something that's feminine. So just con- consider that. Ask yourself, what does that mean? I don't know what that means for you, but I know that it's important. So we, we have this, these specific things in mind, whatever you're, you're sinning or lusting after. And like I said, this is a first major clue uh, for you to um, explore. So I'm going to get into some of these now. Um, and again, you may have different ones to add. You may think up as you meditate on this and think about the soil of your own soul. And as you ask other people to observe you, um, to give you their feedback too, based on the stories you tell, the habits you have, the people that are close to you, that your friends, people in small groups, uh, getting their feedback too. And as you put this all together, you may realize some more, but here, here are some ideas um, of, of the deeper issues that, that um, lust is uh, symptomatizing, all right? Number one, you lack nurture, all right? You have a legitimate need, and, and that's to be nurtured, but you're trying to get it met in an illegitimate way. So in this case, you have this um, this good and healthy desire for someone to care for you. Again, that's why I started this whole thing by uh, pointing out that most often we lust after something that's that's feminine, right? You you need and and the feminine represents um, um, nurturing. I mean, it just does because uh, a mother grows a baby in her womb. She she intimately cares for it, looks after it, keeps it alive. Like that's that's her mission and her great desire is to keep this thing alive and to and to birth it and watch it grow and to continue to keep it alive, to nurture it, feed it, grow it, make sure it's healthy. Well, you have that need too, and you're searching for something to nurture you. That's not bad, and but but. Through, through lust and sexual sin, you're trying to get that legitimate need met in an illegitimate way, in the wrong way, in a sinful way, in an evil, twisted way that won't work. Now, you need to identify that. And when you start to fall in, feel that, those desires to, to begin to lust, well, then you may do well to ask yourself, like, say, why do I need nurtured right now? Or, or just even recognizing it, saying, oh, I need cared for right now. Maybe I should um, um, take some time to care for myself. You know, just as simple as that. Or seek someone else to um, care, you know, care for you in some way, to be open and, and to be real in, in, in your need. So uh, that's the first one. Second one. And it leads right into this. Uh, you lack self-care. 
So number one, you lack nurture. Number two, you lack self-care. So along with um, lacking nurture, you may lack the ability to perform basic self-care. I think a lot of people who struggle that I've seen with um, lust and addiction and sexual sin, they, they don't actually have the ability to care for themselves, to identify what their needs are, and actually to carry it out, <laughs> to um, to be able to relax or um, go for a walk or um, um, rest in some in some way to, to find health, to replenish um, whatever you need to buy yourself better clothes or um, treat yourself in some way. All these all these ways we need to care. Um, you you don't feed you don't feed your mind or consider your soul. Um, you don't treat yourself, reward yourself, or take time for you. Uh, in fact, this type of person may probably think that doing so may make you a bad person, uh, which is uh, the next underlying issue. But first, because you don't know how to take care of yourself in a healthy way, again, you do it in an unhealthy way by seeking porn or sexual situations. The symptom is that that you are seeking you are seeking a body, right? And this points to the underlying cause of the lack of body or care for your body in your life. The reality is that your body, yourself, needs some focused attention. So, so consider that. So number three, you think your needs uh, don't matter or are bad. So per- perhaps you feel a lot of shame about yourself. Maybe you honestly believe that your needs don't matter as much as the needs of others. Uh, maybe when you were a child, in order to survive, you know, keep out of the crossfire of things, you had to put your needs on the back burner. And so you, you grew to think that my needs don't matter. And so then um, as, you, as you grew up, you continue to think your needs don't matter, but you can't... <laughs> You still have needs, and they're still going to make themselves known, and they're still going to push to be cared for, and they want to be cared for in a legitimate way. So if you came from like an overly maybe religious or strict home, you might have heard the message that your needs were actually evil or bad, and so you'd better suppress or deny them. And you had to keep uh, the, the house, the quote-unquote house of your life, spotless at all times, in order to be loved or to be considered a, a good boy or girl. And while this kept the angry adults in your life happy, at least for that day, you grew to resent your needs and desires, which alienated you from you. Like we, we can actually uh, buy the message that uh, those closest to us when we are growing up are are giving us that your needs and desires are bad. And, and then you internalize that and you think, well, I'm bad then. <laughs> and anything related to me is bad. And, and then you forget to, and, and you never learn how to care for yourself in a healthy way that wards off the weeds, right? So number four, so one, you lack nurture, two, you lack self-care, three, you think that your needs don't matter or are bad, four, the need to have some kind of control or power. Uh, So having been like alienated from your needs and desires, 
and lacking the ability to take care of yourself, you're trying to do something to get your needs met, right? These days, it's it's easy to access and look at porn. So that's what you choose to do. Um, it's your way of having some control over yourself and getting your needs met because it's easy. It's easy. It's a lot easier than um, than doing something physically in the world that to advocate for yourself, to speak up against somebody who's uh, demeaning you. Uh, it's so much easier just to slip away in anonymity and to get and to feel like you're in control because your life is out of control and it's hard. And I'm not, I'm not minimizing that. Our lives can be really hard and what you're up against could be, could be really hard. And it, and it is a lot easier to feel a sense of power and control um, by abusing women on a screen. And that's, that's what you're doing. Um, that's all pornography is abuse of women on a screen. And, and when you do that, when we do that, we, we get a sense of power because it feels powerful. Like you're in control, like you're, you're, it's, it's about you. Um, and the healthy way out one is to recognize that, but it is then to develop the ability to have true power and control, true, um, to be able to show up with your true legitimate needs to at, be able to advocate for yourself and to be able to say no to people in your life who are causing you trouble, who may be abusive to you, that's harder, but it's better. And that's what you need. And that's what, uh, that could be what your um, sins of lust and sexual sin are trying to tell you. They're trying to tell you, hey, um, go act out that power in real life against the real bullies in your life. Stop being a bully on the computer. I'm talking to you by abusing these women and go use that, go get true power and um, live a better, more healthy life where you stand up for yourself and for what is right. I'm not talking about being a jerk. I'm just talking about don't let people walk over you and take advantage of you. You show up with your needs and your good desires. All right? So number five, the need for self-advocacy. And this bleeds, flows right from the last one. Um, The healthy person is able to state his needs and to get them met in a legitimate way. He's not a chameleon who hides his true self when others are around. I've found it very interesting that a lot of guys are chameleons. Like they just blend in with the group, with whatever the friend says or the spouse says or the kids say or their church says, they just kind of go along with it um, based on, and they change change who they are. Um, we're, we're chameleons. And when when you're around a person like this and, and you notice that they side with this person, but then this other person disagrees with that person, the first person, and then uh, the chameleon agrees, you know, with both somehow. It's some kind of um, stunt. I don't know how they do it. But um, that's an indication of of someone who isn't able to say, to advocate for themselves and say, no, I'm different. And this is what uh, I believe. And this, and again, this does go work itself out in um, lust and sexual sin because 
you haven't uh, developed, generated that ability to, um, to say no to things and to say, no, I want to be this way. I don't want to be that way. Um, to keep up appearances. Um, so the, the person who's strong, who has a good sense of self, um, is able to rock the boat at times. And if needed, he'll stand up for his own needs as well, or for, the, or for what he believes in. When you're not able to do this, you'll show no respect for yourself, okay? That's where it, comes, that's where it hits this issue, that if you're not able to state who you are, um, you lose your own self-respect. Um, you have no respect for yourself. And as a result of that, you begin to disrespect yourself. And if you're disrespecting yourself, then it's so easy to disrespect the boundaries of others too. And that's what lust is. Lust is disrespecting the boundaries of others, not seeking permission and then taking advantage of other people. So the next one, um, is this number six, I think? So self-pity. So if you're not able to self-advocate, uh, there's another way that you can control people, and that's through self-pity. This is an illegitimate way. The person who shows self-pity uh, is trying to manipulate or control other people, not by their strength, but by their weakness. Since this person can't properly care for themselves, you know, show up and be strong and say, this is, this is what I need, generate their own comforts and reassurances, then um, they, they, they try to manipulate via self-pity to get what they want from others. And when you're trapped in, self, in the self-pity spiral, you may justify looking at porn because you feel so sorry for yourself. You're, you're pitying yourself. You're trying to self-soothe yourself. It's like, it's like reaching for a tub of ice cream or a bowl of pasta uh, just to feel better because you, you feel like um, you're so bad that um, you'll be bad to yourself. And that leads us into the seventh one, that uh, bad people do bad things. And this one, this one's truly heartbreaking. And I remember when a man in a small group of mine uh, voice this one. Um, he and he actually said, when uh, we were questioning him why he was you know, acting badly, he said, "I have to act bad because I'm a bad person." And we were like, "Where did you get that from?" And he then told us these stories of when he was a kid and his his parents would constantly tell him what a bad person he was. He was a bad kid. Like fundamentally, he was bad. And he just figured that if he, that's who he is, if he's bad, then he has to act badly because he, he, he doesn't want to be a hypocrite. So bad people act badly. And some people, again, think that no, no one ever told him that he was good, right? Mm, That breaks my heart. Um, so as an adult, he felt that he had to act accordingly. His behavior of doing bad things was a symptom of his belief that he was a bad person. He had no idea that he was good, that he was made in the image of God, and that he's capable of great things. So you need to trace that. Maybe your symptom of lust 
is indicating that to you, that deep down you're believing this story that's repeating in your soul over and over that you're bad, and so you might as well do bad things. So uh, I'm going to move through these next ones more quickly. Uh, If you're interested in me breaking these down even more, just let me know, and I will. Um, But as we continue here, the next one is, I think this is number seven, um, but you're out of touch with your shadow. I've talked about shadow on this. This is a concept from Carl Jung. That shadow is all the things we don't like about ourselves, and we pretend that aren't there, and a huge area of our lives that gets buried in the in the in the bag, the long bag that we drag behind us, that gets shoved in our basements that we don't want to look at or face face that we pretend that's not there is our sexual side. And when you bury that part of yourself and you pretend like you don't have those struggles and that doesn't exist in your life, it's gonna it's gonna rear its ugly head. It's gonna burst out of your basement one day. And um, in a powerful and perhaps destructive way. And so you need to learn how to integrate your sexuality within your life in a, in a healthy way by doing these things like caring for yourself, self-advocacy, and so forth. Um, next one, number eight, you're reliving or repeating a past trauma. You know, you're sexually, your sexual sin or acting out if you trace it back, it could be because you were abused or sinned against um, as a child and that you are like, you're reliving that through your actions. You're repeating that. Uh, consider the kinds of things that maybe you are looking at or searching for as an adult, the kind of situations that you, you know, you lust at, after. What is that telling you? What what happened to you? What What went wrong that it's, symptomatizing as this now. So consider that. Trace that back. Next one, uh, you need validation or to be noticed. And that's being validated and noticed is important. It's not bad. I think a lot of people think that's bad. It's not bad. And um, you need that. And you need to be able to communicate that in your relationships, in your life. Say, hey, um, I need validated in this. Um, this, this is one of my legitimate needs. and Because you know that if you don't seek get validation in legitimate ways, you may seek it out in illegitimate ways. Next one, seven, eight, nine, this may be 10. Uh, you need connection or intimacy. All right, your lust could be telling you that, hey, right now you just need some connection or intimacy with someone. It could be another same-sex friend, like just a good buddy that you need connection with. That's great. That's fantastic. That can that can meet that need. Um, but if you're isolated and you're not in relationships with friends, that legitimate need can uh, go rogue and work itself out, like I said, through the weed of sexual sin. How about this one, uh, the 10th one? You're out of touch with your own creativity. Now, G.K. Chesterton said, I love this. He said, if you don't draw a line somewhere, then you won't be able to anywhere. <laughs> if you don't draw a line somewhere, then you won't be able to anywhere. I love that. But he's just recognizing that if you're a creative person, uh, even if you're not a creative person, we were born in the image of God. God is a creator, and he made us to create things, actual make things with our minds, with our 
with our interests and desires, with our hands, and be and, and finding an outlet to being creative and doing this is uh, is huge. Um, and maybe your your um, symptom of lust is indicating to you that you have no creative outlets. And, and by picking up some of those things and and developing a habit of making things, of being creative, you'll soon find out that those those desires for lust and that addiction begins to abate and it's just not a, a not a factor anymore. Um, so I don't know, could be. Um, next one. I think this is the last one that I have. Number 12, you're self-absorbed and entitled. <laughs> I know this just got really dark, but um, um, our, your uh, sexual sins and lusts could mean that you're in a real bad place right now, that you're making life about you, that you're too self-absorbed right now, that you're feeling entitled. You think that the world should revolve around you and, um, and you're acting that out, you know, quite, quite literally. Um, it's like, um, in, when David, um, in second Samuel, I think it's second Samuel, uh, when, before he sinned with Bathsheba, that first line is so important. It said, when all the Kings went out to battle, but David stayed back, it's like all the other Kings knew, knew they needed to serve. They had their duty, their job, and they went to to do it, to live it out, to do what they needed to do, to, to care for people, to to be servants, right? To risk their lives, to sacrifice. But David was feeling a little bit entitled, like he could, he, that he's done enough, that he could rest on his laurels, that he could stay behind. And um, that's an unhealthy way of taking care of yourself, by the way. So there is a knife's edge that we walk on with this, because we don't want to get entitled. Um, but that sense of entitlement and self-absorption can lead to this sin. So the, that's what I have. Now, like I said, there um, there could be more. And there's probably as many as there are individual sinners, right? Uh, but think about those. Think about those, ponder them, pray about them. Ask God and the Spirit to search your heart to see what's going on inside of you. Talk with a therapist. Talk with your friends about these. Maybe bring them up in a small group and try to figure out um, some of these symptoms and what they could be pointing to. All right? And then when you attempt to sweep your house, you'll be putting it back in an order that um, that is not so attractive to demons who are looking for self-righteous people to attack. And you may also realize that, hey, a little dirt don't hurt, and I don't got to sweep everything. I don't got to have things so uh, in order that where I feel so proud. You know, leave some dirt on the floor. Leave a little bit disorder, you know. Uh, throw the demons off a bit. Don't make your life so attractive to them. All right? That's all. That's episode 96. I hope you found this helpful. Uh, Let me know. And uh, I'll see you next time. Bye.